Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter number 4. I'm going to read um, from verse 22 to... Um, i read just a few scriptures there and then we'll take off. Really, what I want to say has nothing to do with the scripture per se, but you understand as we go on. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22? He says that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Amen. Here we see the writer of uh, the letter that is Paul to the uh, church in Ephesus telling the church or the congregation that put off the old man concerning your behavior, put off the clothes of the old man which grows corrupt and according to deceitful lust and put on the new man which has righteousness. Amen. And the way to do it is by renewing your mind, isn't it? He says that, that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to talk about the subject. It, it sounds like a, a silly subject, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's go on. He says, dressing for a successful decade. Dressing for a successful year. <laughs> Can I throw a few thoughts at you? First one, your dressing reveals your intentions. <laughs> your dressing reveals your intention. Nobody wears a swimming trunk, swimming suit to go to a, um, an interview. Are you with me? If you put on swimming trunks, I know that you are going to swim. Is that right? Because your dressing reveals your intentions, isn't it? Nobody goes to uh, an interview dressed in um, uh, sports gear. Are you getting Nobody does that. If you are going to run a 100-meter race, I don't care what level of 100-meter race you are going to run. If you go dressed in suits, I know you are not serious. And I know you will not get far. Um, hello? Because your dressing reveals your intentions. And the second thing I want to talk about is that the dressing will also rev will reveal how you should be addressed. Your dressing shows how you must be addressed. When you see somebody wearing saggy bottoms, saggy trousers, and looking a bit, you know, you know what I mean? Like uh, the, the cap one back to front, saggy pants on the ground, walking a certain way, you address them in a certain way. Because the addressing calls for you to address them in that way. 
Are you with me? When you are dressed very well, it doesn't matter how young you are, if you are dressed very well in a suit and tie and you are looking formal, somebody or everybody will address you properly because your dressing commands respect. Am I making sense? I will tie it all up in a little while. But I'm trying to let you understand that the way you are dressed will show how we should address you. Your age doesn't show how we should address you. But the way you present yourself is how we will take you. If you present yourself well, we will take you well. What am I saying? I'm saying that this decade, I said, I said this in the, in the, uh, at the all night, uh, that this decade is really the beginning of the highlight of your, your life. When the, your history is written, when your obituary or your life story is written, what you do from 2020 to 2029 will be the highlight of your life. Tell somebody he's talking to you. It doesn't matter what you have done from the day you were born to this minute. What you will do from now to the end of this decade would reveal or would, would be the highlight of your life. And, and if it will reveal the highlight of your life, then your dressing is very important. Am I making sense? Your dressing that you are going into the decade with is going to reveal the intentions you have for the decade. And your dressing will show how we must address you or how eternity or creation should address you in this, in this decade. Is it, is it coming together? Are you, are you getting what I'm, I'm saying? Okay, the, the, the third thing about dressing, uh, let me give you the, 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 the four things quickly. Your dressing shows whether you are prepared for the place you are going or not. And the fourth thing is that your dressing also reveals how long you would live or how long you will stay in a place. Have you got all four? So the first one is what? Your dressing reveals how what your intentions are, your number two, your dressing reveals how you must be addressed. Number three, your dressing shows all, shows all whether you are prepared for the place you are going or not. Amen. And the fourth one, your dressing will also reveal how long you will stay in the place. Amen. Have you written them down? Your dressing, we just said your dressing will show whether you are prepared for where you are going or not. If you are going to a wedding, you are just about to be married. You are going on your wedding day and you come with a, a what do you call it? A, a white t-shirt and a, a, a jeans skirt. We will say that you are not ready for your marriage. How many will agree with me? We will say that you are not ready or you are not really prepared for that place that you are going to occupy. Because that place you are going to occupy, it comes to a certain, a certain mode. 
Remember the story of, of the man who went to the banquet and Jesus, Jesus was saying that when the banquet, uh, the householder came and saw him dressed in a, in a dressing clothing, which was not a party cloth. He said, friend, how did you get here? How come you are dressed in the wrong attire? And the man, the Bible said, the man was, could not utter a word. He was shocked that the householder asked him, why are you dressed or ill-prepared? Why are you not dressed properly? And so the, the Bible says that the man told the servant, cast, bind him hand and foot and cast him to outer darkness because he was not ready. He was not dressed for the banquet which he had been called to. Are you, are you dressed for success this year? Are you dressed for success in 2020? Are you dressed for the highlight of your life? Are you prepared? Are you ready? You know, when preparation meets opportunity, then there is success. My question to you is that are you ready for where you are, what you want to see in your life? Are you ready? Are you prepared for that place? You want to be Mrs. Sprinkinstein. Are you prepared for that? You want to be a mother. Are you prepared for that? You want to be a grandmother. Are you prepared for that? You want to own your own company. Are you prepared for that? You want to become great in ministry. Are you prepared for that? Listen, we should not live the life of obey the wind. Wherever the wind blows me, that is the will of God. No, 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 no. That is not the will of God. You know, anytime you are doing something, when it gets to the highlights of your life, you're talking about serious business. Am I talking to somebody? You are talking about something serious. You cannot approach this decade haphazard. You cannot approach this decade as before. The writer said that when I was a child, I taught like a child. I spoke like a child. But when I became an adult, I put the childish things away. Hello? Am I talking to somebody? Listen, let me say something to you. Add 10 years to your life. Your age right now. Do a quick math. Add 10 years to your life. Have you done it? Now, what I want you to do is to think in 10 years, not in 365 days. For some of us, in 10 years, we'll go on pension. For some of us, even the younger ones, uh, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, no, uh, Everett, uh, Pamela, in 10 years, you'll be married. Amen. Have you thought of it? Yes. How old is she? 13. Okay, you may, you'll be getting married. Can you see how serious it looks? She's, she's, she was surprised when I said, in 10 years, you'll be getting married. Because her mind is nowhere near there. But I want you to understand that if you think that way, you prepare. You will start learning certain things. Hallelujah. For some of us, in 10 years, we'll be on pension. What have you achieved? 
And see, 10 years, by the time you blink your eyes, 10 years is come. By the time you blink, how many remember 10 years ago? It came, it, it, flashed, it, flashes, it flashes by. Kiran, in 10 years' time, you'll be a father. You'll be a father. Amen. With children. Amen. Can you imagine? It, it, it sounds scary, doesn't it? Yeah, you have children. It sounds scary. <laughs> Are you dressed for it? Are you ready for it? <laughs> Are you dressed for it, sir? Hallelujah. Oh, you are not minding me oh, anymore. It's a good uh, You see, I, 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 I thought, let me, let me shock us, shock us into thinking correctly, quickly, quickly now. Quickly. Are you with me? Yes. Because the, the problem, the thing that I find with Christians is that we pray ourselves into failure. Because we take prayer as opium. We take prayer as a, a high. You know, when you see junkies, junkies live a life of nothingness. Camouflage by one high to the next high. Are you with me? They live for the high. And as soon as the high comes, they have a certain good feeling and then when the high goes they go down and they yearn for the next fix and they get a fix and then they get high unfortunately christians have replaced the high with church with prayer with spiritual things that makes us go from one high feeling low waiting for the next high we come up high and then to the next low and we come up high and the next low and we come up high and we will look at our lives in the next 20 years. You see, we haven't gone anywhere. We've just been going circling. Circling. We haven't done much with our lives. And then we turn around and blame Satan and blame everybody but ourselves. We are preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Because we are not dressed. We are not dressed for success. See, success is intentional. There is something that God will never do because he has done it already. And that is that God will never give you what your brain can give you. I don't know whether, I'm saying some serious things. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. God will not give you what your brain has given you. I don't care how much you pray. And I don't care, you see, you will think that it's Satan. It's not Satan. For instance, if you are lazy, and you are not working, and you are fasting and praying, fasting and praying, God open the door, God bless me. How, what door is he going to open? Your bedroom door. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't like my message. It's a good message. Because, you see, we pray a lot as Christians. And sometimes, the, the only reason why we are not being blessed is not that God hasn't heard our prayer. But see, we are not giving God anything to use to bless us. Like I started by saying that if you wear a suit to go and do 100 meter race, I don't care how much you have prayed. I don't care how, how quick you are, how much, uh, uh, what do you call it, training you have done. If you are wearing a business suit, business shoes, and you go and stand in the, in the track to go on the fine Olympic Games, you will never win. You can't be Usain Bolt, you won't win. 
Because you are not properly dressed. And see, God will not come and say, my son, my son, thou art dressed wrongly. Did thou know that thou need to dress properly? (laughs) Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Because he has given us wisdom. Amen? He has given us wisdom that he expects us to use for success. This is a deliverance message. Are you with me? Because, you see, Jesus said something. Jesus said that the children of this world are wiser in their own generation, their own eyes, they are wiser. Why? Because they use their head. The children of light are foolish in this generation because, because they have God. They become Apoplectic. Apoplectic. Which means that they, they are almost paralyzed because everything God has to do it for me. And so what we do is we pray a lot. But we don't do a lot. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, I say Hallelujah. Are you, are you getting something from what I'm saying? You yes. see, success is intentional. Anybody you have seen successful, we can use David. He was practicing for success. Success, you see, God, I'm not discounting God, the God factor. But the God factor makes sense and works. When you have learned how to swing your stone and, and sling, See, as you are learning to sling and, and shoot things, targets in the wilderness, targets in the wilderness, and believing God, and f- you, are, you are preparing yourself. As you are delivering your sheep from, from uh, bears and from lions, you are preparing yourself. So when you go to the next level, you can call on that experience that you had or that, that uh, uh, rehearsal or training that you, you had, you were using to, to, to work here by the grace of God. And that will take you to the next level. Joseph was learning how to interpret dreams in his father's house. So when he went to prison, he could use the same uh, uh, thing that he had been practicing in a political circle. And so promotion comes. But for most of us as Christians, we, we, we become fast asleep Monday to Friday. We only wake up Wednesday evening or Sunday morning. The rest of the time we are asleep. Asleep to opportunities. I sleep to uh, 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 favor. I sleep to everything that is passing us by. Because we are not taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives us all the time. Because we are not prepared. We are not dressed. Um, I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Who who would you say was the, the most successful king of Israel in the Bible. Somebody? David. Okay. Who else? Solomon. Who else? 
So how many, how many will go, vote for David? Give me a wave. How many will vote for Solomon? So I think David is one. Would you be surprised if I told you that it was not David or it was not Solomon? Would you be surprised? Hello? Would you be surprised or not? You are not minding me. Can I submit to you that Hezekiah was the, the most successful king? Come with me to 2 Kings. 2 Kings 18. 1 to 7. Hezekiah, now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, the, the king of Israel, the son of Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, it, he began, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of God according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it. Are you getting it? Moses put a bronze image that they were worshipping. David came. He didn't touch it. Uh, Solomon came. He didn't touch it. Hezekiah came. And what did he do? He burnt it. And called it Nushtan or whatever. And he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah. Nor who were before him. Are you getting it? So the, the Bible is saying that he did so well that there was none like him after him or before him, which makes him the greatest king. <clears throat> are, are you getting it? Learn your Bible. <laughs> For he held fast to the Lord who did not depart from him but kept his command, his commandment which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him and prospered wherever he went. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Hallelujah. So have I shown you the best king? Hello? He was greater than David. He was greater than Solomon. My question to you is why? Why? Why was this guy the greatest that left? If you want to know the answer, come with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 38, 1 to 5, quickly. 
In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with all loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse 4, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go tell Hezekiah, that says the Lord God of David, your father, I've heard your prayer and your tears surely I will add to your days 15 years. And God sent the prophet to tell him that he will not die. 15 years. Hallelujah. Question. Question. Can I ask you a question? Number one. If God asked you to give him reasons why he should let you live 15 years longer, what would you say? That's number one question. If God were to ask you, give me a reason why I should keep you here on earth for 15 more years, what would you have to say? Number two, are you ready for the second question? I'm ask, uh, today, I'm really getting you to think. Oh, I don't know whether you are seeing it. Number two, are you there? If God reviewed your past 15 years of your life, would he be eager to give you 15 more years? <laughs> Did you hear the question? If God reviewed your last 15 years of your life to today, as a, a, a precursor to giving you 50 more years, would you pass or fail? Number three. Mm. Even me, I'm afraid. Number three. Are you willing to use the rest of your life the way God planned for you to use it? Or will you abuse it? Talking about dress, dressing for a successful decade, a successful life. Dressing for a successful life. You know, we started by saying that you must put off. How many remember? Put off concerning your, your, your old man, the former things. Which means that to start dressing, the first thing you need to take off is what you have been wearing. Are you with me? Say, for instance, I come and I invite you. I'm taking you to a, a, a five-star Michelin restaurant. What would you do? Immediately, I'm taking you now. The first thing you would think about, give me a minute. Let me take off what I'm wearing. Because what I'm wearing is not five-star Michelin restaurant clothing. 
<laughs> so I have to take off the LFC clothing. I have to take off what I'm wearing so I can put on what I need. What I'm trying to get you to do and to, is that there are some things you need to put off. All of us in this room, everybody under the sound of my voice, there are some things you need to put off. If you are going to be successful in 2020 to 2029, which is going to be the highlight of your life, there are some things you need to put away from you. You need to take off the former conversation concerning the old man, the things that you need to put off. And then you need to put on. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? There are some things you need to put off. And you see, God will not come and put all those things off you. If God says you must put it off. Some of us, we like praying about things that we, we, we should be doing. That is why I said prayer has become opium to us. I, I don't discount prayer at all. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, don't, I, I pray a lot. I don't discount prayer at all. I am not saying prayer is wrong. What I'm trying to say to you is that there are some things that you need to do and prayer will not do it for you. You have been praying all these years but the thing hasn't left you because it is not prayer that will take the thing off. He says remove it and you are praying about it. No, he will not take it off you. You need to take it off. So you say, put off concerning your former nature. Isn't it? In Ephesians 4.22, Take off concerning your former conversation. The things that you need to take off. Your former conduct. You need to take it off. You don't pray it off you. You are somebody who procrastinates a lot. You've got to put it off. Prayer will not change the procrastination. You are somebody who is fearful of taking decisions. You're always double-minded. You're always double-minded. You're always double-minded. You don't. You have three, three, four things. You don't know which one to take. You're always like that. It's not prayer that will solve it. You need to take that double-mindedness off you. You are preaching. Hallelujah. There are things that God can take off, but there are things that you have to take off. When you read a word and it says you take it off. It means you take it off. Look at the things, uh, 23. It gives us some of the things. Go on, quick, go on quickly. Go on. Next verse. Therefore, putting away what? Lying. Lying. God will never make you stop. Prayer will never make you start telling the truth. You have to stop lying. Are you with me? Prayer will never change you from a liar to a, a truthful person. You have to take it off. Stop lying. Are you with me? You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, self, and say, mm hmm, say, stop lying from today. Let him that stole steal no more by working with his hands. Next one, next one, next one. Be angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down. Which means that you can never pray yourself out of being angry. If you have a quick temper, you can never pray yourself from being quick tempered. Let me show you. If you have a quick temper, I have been delivered from it. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm one of the best people to teach you. Because I, have, I, I, I used to have a very terrible temper. But I've been delivered from it. And I'll tell you, you need to speak to yourself that, hey, I have a short fuse. 
and tell yourself, anger lies in the bosom of fools. So if you're a quick-tempered person, you're a fool. Stop apologizing after you've been angry. I'm giving some keys to, to move out of, to be delivered, to deliver yourself. Because God will never deliver you. I realize that if I'm going to be a successful pastor, the first thing I must let go is my quick temperedness. Because I will never, I can never pray myself into, into being a successful pastor with a quick short use. So, learn to make excuses for people. Learn to feel pity for people. So instead of feeling anger, feel pity. So he has his own problems. Leave him alone. Rather than being angry with him, no, no, he has problems. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Those are the practical things you need to put on, on, on you to help you to take off what you need to take off and put on what you... You see, if you are quick-tempered and you are risen to a certain high... Uh, position, that quick temper will bring you down if you don't deal with it. Hallelujah. There are some things prayer will never change. I'm dealing with a a, a pastor and his wife. Always fighting, always fighting. And and then pastor said, pastor, pastor, I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've been fasting. My wife is never changed. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are doing the wrong thing. Prayer will never solve this problem. For this problem to so- be solved, you need to do some work. She will need to do some work. You can never fast your way into no more anger. No more anger. One day I went to my wife. I said, wife, from today, if we will fight in this house, it will not be me. If we will fight, it will not be me. And I was determined that I would never be angry and start the fight. No, 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 no. no. She can start the fight. That's her, her problem. But that's for me. No, no, no. Yeah. And I, I made a determination in my heart. And then I went to her and I said, from today, if there will be a fight, I can't stop it. It will come from you. But from my side, there won't be any fight. Yeah. And, and, and mind you, I'm the one with a quick temper. I'm the one with a quick temper. Sometimes I know she's wrong. I mean, everything, all in terms of purposes, I know she's wrong. And she must come and apologize. But knowing that she will never apologize, I'll go and say this thing, I'm sorry. I know that she's wrong. Everything tells me that she's wrong. My, my, everything tells me that this one dear, is very, very clear that she's wrong. But knowing that she won't come and apologize, I'll go and say, listen, sorry. I'm sorry. Are you getting it? That is learning to put off something yourself consciously. It's not the Holy Spirit that will do it for you. It's not prayer. It's not fasting. There's a place for fasting. There's a place for prayer. Are are you getting what I'm saying? But let's not abuse it. Let's not use it in the wrong context. Hallelujah. 
I know my time is up. How many want to be part of this? Dressing for success. Listen, this is going to be a successful decade for all of us in this room. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a success, very, very successful decade for you and I. But we have to do some hard graft. We have to roll up our sleeves. And we have to call a spade a spade. Are you with me? We have to be real with ourselves. So we are going to be talking about some hard stuff in this. But that is why I chose this congregation to talk about it because I know you can handle it. Yeah? I hope you don't get offended with me because I'll be saying some things. By the time I finish, all of us will be, will be knifed here and there. <laughs> but it's okay. Stand.